1: Ready, steady, go! <laughs> That's turned into the Matrix song too. The, oh, yeah, uh, the, the uh, lobby yeah. song. Yeah. I remember thinking that was the coolest thing. Sound like the game.
2: Mortal Kombat song, which we've Mortal already done. <laughs>
1: all the songs in the 90s all the techno songs sound the same they sound the same (laughs) was that
2: there was the one from Blade also
1: where they're all oh yeah yeah yeah. I forget how that one goes but my favorite part of Blade is still at the end of the first one where they're just both doing the same move yeah they're just going one two one two but the camera's flying around them you're like
2: oh it's so cool I always point to Blade as like one of those early movies I remember where all of a sudden the good guys were just totally dominant from start to finish of a movie yeah (laughs) you know it used to be like Luke Skywalker or uh, Indiana Jones and they would be like like they were just bumbling and not very good, and the bad guy would just kick their butt like up and down yeah. for the whole movie. They th- were always barely escaped. Yeah. yeah. And then Blade came along, <laughs> and he was just like, You're like halfway in the movie, and you're like, Wait, this skinny British dude is supposed to be, be- scary
1: to Blade? Yeah. Blade can
2: kill like 50 vampires without even blinking.
1: Wesley effing snipes too, man. Yeah. It's he like- doesn't care about you, taxes, <laughs> <No>. or vampires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's great.
2: Oh, or is everybody listening to this whole thing?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, Welcome to the Command Zone, everybody. How's uh, it? We, it's Oh, crap. What <laughs> happened? Well, my name is Jimmy. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Josh. I'm one of your limited resources. <laughs> Jeez. Take that, Marshall. <laughs> Take that. Woo! <laughs> Off to a good start, uh, as Off to always. a really great start. Um, uh, today's topic yeah. is
2: situation awareness. Not situational awareness. Just situation. Just awareness. situation awareness. Yeah. How is it different? It's different than situational awareness because we weren't going to talk about sort of taking note and therefore like adapting to your meta and the types of situations that you are often facing. Mm, So that's what situation awareness is. But first, uh, we have an announcement.
1: Should we put on like sad music? (laughs) Don't cry. Don't Don't (laughs) don't cry for me, Don't cry for me, podcast listeners. (laughs) So this
2: announcement is that we're not going to be doing two episodes every week anymore. Yeah. It's not like we did it forever either. We we it was like a summer thing. Right, exactly. We never intended at the time <laughs> we started doing it to do it forever. So, we felt
1: like This milk has an expiration date.
2: Yeah. We we felt like we kept it up for as long as we could. Um that doesn't mean we're not going to do a second episode some weeks sometimes, yeah. occasionally. Uh you know, when we feel like it. I would say that these the bonus episodes, I'll call them, the Thursday yeah. episodes, you know, they're probably still going to happen, but they may not they may they may evolve.
1: Yes, please.
2: They may turn into
1: talking about some other things that aren't commander. We may Yeah, wanna, we did this with the keeping it current episode, kind yeah. of just testing the waters like, "Hey, let's just talk about the magic world at large."
2: Yeah, so we feel like, you know, the Tuesday episode will stay what it is. It's always going to be commander focused. It's going to be the exact same thing that you've You've come to know and expect from us. We're going to go, you know, we're going to do deck doctors. We're going to do deck techs. We're going to talk about, you know, level up moments and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But the Thursday episode, it may sometimes be that also still, but we may talk about draft or just the limited environment in general, or we may just talk about current events and magic, like you yeah. were saying. Or-, or we
1: could bring on like a guest, like Marshall or something, and just talk about. You know, like maybe do like a little player interview or something,
2: yeah, like, we could talk about standard if we feel like it, or we could talk about hearthstone if we wanted to, you know, like the masters of modern we guys would just never did talk
1: about I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're just gonna leave that Thursday episode sort of up to
1: our own discretion, yeah both both when we do it, which won't be every week and what it's about, yeah, and also it's a great time to address like when you guys are all like, hey, can you guys please talk about something like?" <gasps> Tiny leaders, that's the perfect chance for us to be like, cool, we can take an extra episode and not take away from our main content and discuss something like that.
2: Yeah, I will say also that one of the reasons that we went two episodes per week is that uh, a prominent commander podcast at that time had sort of gone away and we felt like there wasn't as much commander content out there in the universe And in that meantime, since we've started doing that, you know, the Commander in podcast with our friend uh, Phil Mm -hmm. has started up and and started doing really well. The Commander's Brew podcast with our buddy Andy Hull, who we've had on the show, also uh, has started up. And so we feel like those podcasts are very good. You should definitely check them out if you're not. And they can sort of fill that void so that we're not necessarily, we don't need to do two episodes
1: a week anymore. There's lots of Commander content out there now. It's not like we were burned out or anything, and that was great getting all the emails being like, guys, please don't burn out, like, you're blazing the trail right now. <laughs> we're like at the front of it, like, oh! <laughs> but it's not we're burned out, we, we just, uh, you know, we're back to one a week. Yeah. It was never our intention to be doing two a week forever. Oh my gosh, yeah. It, that's a, it's an intense, intense thing. I remember back in the YouTube days, the first uh, years of YouTube, uh, one, of the, one of the creators, Daystorm Power. Uh, usually everyone's just once a week uh, one video a week and daystorm did two a week for a whole like almost i think it was two years or something that guy knew how to hustle and he freaking made his own he made his own fame from it it was awesome i love daystorm he's one of the hardest workers i know but uh yeah (laughs) josh knight speaking of that we're not the most hardest workers you know (laughs) um well we we do plenty of other things we've mentioned some of our side projects and, and our main jobs as well on the show before so time is limited guys and we want to play more limited so <laughs> <laughs> nice um Boom. okay so that's
2: the sort of i don't want everybody to be sad about it but i guess some of you probably will be that's just
1: the reality of where we're at and you, but know, you can always find us on twitter you can always find us uh, and talk to us there about stuff and we'll always be available for you guys,
2: And this is a great opportunity, actually, to approach us about what's interesting to you, you know, outside of Commander, so mm-hmm. that we can really, like, maybe start picking and choosing some of the subjects we want to tackle on those bonus episodes.
1: Yeah, it's, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to doing that, actually, because uh, the Masters of Maren guys have started doing a little bit, and it seems like like I, I, have, a, I have a want to yeah, do Yeah, I was something. jealous of them when they did it, and I was like, you know what? This That's is a, a good uh, idea. Right,
2: should, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, on to situation awareness.
1: Did you mean situational awareness? No,
2: I did not. Okay, Thank check. you for asking. Just, just double checking. <laughs> so one of the tricks I think everybody knows to improving at Magic and really any game is just to diligently analyze what your experiences were after the fact. After so, the
1: game's over or after you've been eliminated?
2: Either one. After the whole session for the night is over. You know, you're looking back on last night mm-hmm. and thinking about it. And, and, you know, we've done this a lot. A lot of our topics have come from literally like we played one night. The next day, we talk. Hey, what should we do the show on? And we have a good idea because it's based on. Oh, I when I yeah. was playing last night, this thing happened, and we should talk about that. Yeah. And so, this is a way to improve, and and we've talked about it on the show. You know, we're pretty good about analyzing our own deck. You know, what's working about it, what cards we need to take out, what what we need to put in. You know, maybe something that we draw and we're disappointed with it. Oh, that needs to come out of our deck. But we're mm-hmm. not always as diligent about looking across the table or the left or the right mm-hmm. uh, in our case and analyzing what's going on with our opponents. And again, we've talked on the show a lot about some specific things like this card, here's how you counter this card yeah. or this type of card. But there's also a lot of situations that come up when you're playing that are you can notice like different play groups, different situations may come up sort of more or less often. And if you pay attention to that, then you can sort of generalize some ways to build your deck or change your deck to yeah. you know counter those things
1: yeah because it's i mean like prophet of crufix hit the, hits the board all right everyone knows what the response to that should be but if it's like opponents playing a kind of a weird janky combo deck not sure when it's about to go off could be next turn could be five turns from now like that's a much harder situation to gauge and i think a lot of the times some of these games are just won by ignorance you know yeah like, people being like oh i just kind of put it out of my head for just a little too long and so situation awareness is great in being to know like okay i think i know what's going on here i see the colors being played here's how i can deal with this
2: and again we've talked about these type of things a little bit like we've talked about how to defeat token decks mm-hmm. well your playgroup may have a lot of token decks it, you know if you've got two or three you're facing at any one time often in a night then you need to build your deck to be able to beat a token deck so we're not going to talk necessarily about that exactly and that's the same as like playing a lot of creatures, you know, yeah. a token deck, basically how you beat it is very similar to how you beat just another deck that's playing a lot of creatures in general. Um, but we're going to talk about some situations maybe that we haven't really touched on. Uh, and maybe we don't think about in the same way because they're not as obvious. So yep. the first one I have is a situation where my my opponents have a lot of cards. Yeah, altogether, they do have a lot of cards, <laughs>
1: So yeah, if you think decks.
2: if you think about all your yeah I mean in their hand if, <laughs> if you think about all your EDH playing I bet you'll you'll notice that like in any given game there's usually a point where one or two players is holding like a lot of cards and I don't mean like 7 I mean like 20 yeah you know this just uh, They found a way. Yeah, it's a situation that just tends to come up a lot in EDH because there's
1: a lot of card draw in the format. It's also the goal of a lot of decks to get to that position so that they can close the game out because they have the cards that they need to win. Yeah, I'm going to draw like a third of my deck, and then I'm
2: going to be able to just control the whole board basically from there because mm-hmm. I'll have enough answers for everything. So that's a very common situation that we come across, but we don't usually build think of building our decks to punish a deck for having a lot of card draw. Right. So. You know, this is something that I like to think about uh, for my decks is how do I beat a lot of card draw? Now, one of the ways to do it is to just draw a lot of cards yourself so you're on even footing. That's a gimme. And most of your decks should already be built to draw a lot of cards. But what else can we do? Um, you know, what are some cards that punish my opponents for having a lot of cards in hand or for having a lot of card draw? Discard. <laughs> Discard's a really good one. In fact, I really like discard effects that are like mass discard yeah wheel of fortune man the card is amazing wheel of Fortune's great because it just resets everything. Rings of wrath yeah all yep. those
1: cards to puzzle box
2: oh you drew 20 cards well guess what and i only have four
1: guess what wheel of fortune we all have seven again now yeah it's interesting the balance because again like in those in those positions you will should you should come out better especially if a, an opponent's been holding on to the cards that they really need in that position they're like hey I have uh, one third of my combo piece in my hand. I'm going to draw them all next turn, and then you pop out Teferi's Puzzle Box. That just completely hoses what they were trying to do because now they have to throw all these things to the bottom, and like, great, I'm not going to see that ever again. Like, that happened a lot, actually, when we were playing uh, at Andy's house the other night. Um, I kept holding, I I was playing a Planeswalker deck, and I finally drew my doubling season. I was like, yes, this is it. And then Teferi's Puzzle Box hit the board, and I was like, this is not it <laughs>
2: crap now i have to put it on the bottom of my library yeah. and my whole plans change yeah i really like like chandra blaze is a good one we've talked about before oh she yeah. hasn't she's a planeswalker i won't read it all but her negative two is each player discards his or her hand then draws three cards really now everybody's on even footing but if you already if you started with 20 cards and i started with five it did a lot more harm to you than it did to me yeah yeah definitely. that's another really good one um there's one called balancing act i wonder what is happening in the balancing act perhaps
1: things are being balanced yes
2: now see balance as a card is banned but there's been a lot of fair versions Mm quote-unquote fair versions of balance and and uh this is one of them it's two and two white for a sorcery it says each player chooses a number of permanents he or she controls equal to the number of permanents controlled by the player who can who controls the fewest then sacrifices the rest each player discards cards the same way. So you yeah. just look around the table. Whoever's got the fewest permanents, everybody sacrifices until they have that many. And then you do the same with cards in hand. So whoever has four cards in hand, if that's the least, everybody just goes down to four cards in hand.
1: Yeah, it's pretty pretty insane because it's true. When someone has like their reliquary tower around, they're like, oh, I just have a giant hand or something you can do about it. And it's like, well, guess what? You're going to get screwed.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't really hurt everybody
1: else that much. Mm-hmm. So you're really just punishing that player who drew a ton of cards. And you, made your, you may make one enemy, but that enemy has four cards now instead of 20, and everyone else is also kind of cheering you on at the same time. And probably they wasted a lot of their time and energy up till now just drawing all those cards. <laughs> yeah. So you've really set them pretty far back in the game. Yeah. Um, Spirit uh, of the Labyrinth is another opposite of that. Kind of stops people from drawing cards. Um, there's also, like, Notion Thief. Mm-hmm, um, which they draw cards and instead you draw the cards. Yeah. So, like, there's ways to punish people for having these effects in their deck. And it's really easy to, to build your deck in a way to combat a really common thing, which is just card draw. Yep. And I, I think these are very powerful things.
2: Now, Spirit of the Labyrinth is a little tough because you can't draw extra cards either. Uh-huh. It just says, what's the wording Each on it?
1: player can't draw more than one card a turn. But, but if, if you, someone's going off, you're totally okay with that. Exactly. And and presumably their deck has a whole
2: bunch of cards in it that draw them cards, and you just yeah. turn all of those off. So that can be very powerful, especially if you're like, well, I have a couple card draw spells, but I don't have any you know, out right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then I'll just slow everybody down to my level. That can be very strong. I also like cards that literally do damage or can kill you for having cards in your hand. Yeah. So Molten Psyche.
1: Well, that's why I love Rakdos Charm against uh, token yeah. decks, You because know, it, it, it takes their strategy and immediately hurts them. Yeah, Molten Psyche. You want me to read it? Yeah. One red red for a sorcery. Each player shuffles the cards from his or her hand into his or her library, and then draws that many cards. Um, Metalcraft, if you control three or more artifacts, Molten Psyche deals damage to each opponent equal to the number of cards that player has drawn this turn. This is a Necrostar win condition, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's a win condition in Necusar, but also I've found it to be pretty useful in general in a in a decks that aren't making you draw a lot of cards because mm-hmm. there's very often a a player holding twenty plus cards, sometimes thirty plus cards, this will often just kill that player.
1: Yeah, that's they, insane.
2: They have that huge turn where they draw twenty four cards off of consecrated
1: sphinx and some other, you know, And crap. they're tackling all the way to yeah. the
2: and they're holding this huge grip of cards that's, like, bigger than their deck. Before and they just even like,
1: get to their discard step because it's your turn before theirs. Yeah, that's great.
2: Yeah, and they're just smiling like crazy, and they're like, <laughs> I have everything under control. Someone and then, removes the Consecrated Sphinx, they don't care. Like, yeah, I, I got my value. Yeah, whatever. I got 40 <laughs> cards in my hand. What are you going to do? And then you go Molten Psyche. If you have three artifacts out, which often we do because of mana rocks and things like mm-hmm. that.
1: Well, then, if you're playing red, too, it's definitely going to happen.
2: Yeah, so then they have to discard four. Or, sorry, they don't discard them. They shuffle 40 cards into their library. And then draw 40 cards, but then they take 40 damage.
1: Yeah, Good night. It doesn't even need to be 40. I mean, even 20 should be enough at the point in the game where they're able to cast them on the like, Consecrated Sphinx. And, and yep, yeah, very, very often you only need to do
2: like 20 or so, and that'll just do it. But, yeah. you know, I, I've killed many people with it, with nothing, no other card, no other combo, just like they just have. They're holding a grip of thirty five cards, and
1: that's just enough to do them in. You know, the best is when two people have uh, consecrated sphinxes out because then they can just loop those two until they and just arbitrarily stop at a number and then be like, "All right, I'm done at you know sixty. Yeah, when two people are
2: colluding because they both have a consecrated
1: sphinx, and they're yeah. like, I'll draw two.
2: Oh, I'll draw four. Okay, I'll draw eight. <laughs> oh, I'll draw sixteen. Okay, I'll draw ten more, and I'm done. Yeah, exactly. You know, it doesn't even need to
1: be doubles. It can be like, "I'll draw two. I'll draw one." Yeah,
2: and then they're like, do you want to draw any more? I guess I'll draw a couple more. Okay, I'll draw a couple more. Actually,
1: you have to draw two each time, right? It has to be a multiple of two for consecrated. Yeah, I think so. Um, Pretty crazy.
2: Another card that's similar is uh, Stormseeker. Also, Runeflare Trap and Dreamborn Muse do similar things, which is just deal direct damage to a player for each card they have in their hand. Yeah. So these are just to the face, boom, take as much damage as you've got cards. These seem like bad cards on the surface, but if you're in a play group where you where you notice that very often somebody's holding, like, a whole bunch of cards. Mm-hmm. Stormseeker is just, like, kills them. Can be very, very powerful. I mean, would you play a card that said, you know, pay four or five mana, Kill deal 30 damage? Yeah,
1: oh, absolutely. Yeah. Especially if you knew it was going to happen at a certain point in each game, you know. It's cool. You could even do something like this to disrupt an Equisar player because mm-hmm. if their goal is already doing this and you're able to ice them, you know... Yeah, you can sort of piggyback off their stuff to kill them. Yeah, yeah. or even just end the game. Like, Molten Psyche, we all lose. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also really love Windfall. This card's awesome. Two and a blue sorcery. Each player discards his or her hand then draws cards equal to the greatest number of cards a player discarded this way. So it's like a opposite balance, except now everyone has a super overpowered hand because someone may have drawn 40 or whatever.
2: Yeah, if somebody drew 40 and you do that, you may mill them out. But also now you have 40 cards in your hand, so yeah. it automatically brought you to their level. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. So obviously we can't go through every card that would deal with opponents having a lot of cards in their hands. But it's just something I wanted to put out there as
1: like, hey, you should think about that situation as a situation that you build your deck to fight. Yeah, and it's not going to hurt you to have these cards in there. A lot of the times, I think Wheel of Fortune is great because sometimes you just have a bad hand. You just want to cycle it. You just want to cycle it. Yeah, you'll take the risk. You'll you'll go for the Wheel of Fortune, and if it has the occasional, or sometimes more than the occasional, upside of just hosing someone else that has drawn a bunch of cards, freaking. That's just great. Yeah, applause. <laughs> That's just the board. upside. Yeah, upside, upside, upside. Okay, so let's talk about another situation
2: uh, that we should be aware of. And that's one where my opponents are playing a lot
1: of counter spells. Oh, I know how to combat this. Just don't play with that person. (laughs) Just kidding. Just complain about it a lot. Complain, yeah. Post on Twitter like, God, this guy's stopping you from doing everything. And then he's taking my tears and casting more blue spells off of that. Taking
2: my tears and you tapping it for a mana. That's good. It was was from Cardboard Crack. It was really funny. uh,
1: I really like that one. Um,
2: So this is something we hear obviously a lot, uh, complaints about the Mother May I deck, which Mm. is the deck that every time you cast something, you gotta go, are you gonna counter that? That's unfairly gendered. It could be Father Can-I as well. Good, good, good. (laughs) That's true. Um, This doesn't have to be that type of deck only, though. It can be just like, in general, your meta has a lot of blue players, Mm -hmm. and between them all, they don't have... Dedicated counterspell decks, but there's just like they're all running ten counterspells each.
0: Yeah,
1: that's just a lot. Or even just three each to make you know twelve across the board. Is like that, there's a lot of counterspells running there's around. There's probably
2: going to be one anytime I cast something. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, how can we combat this? Well, you can play counterspells yourself. And the good thing about this is I found that you normally have to run fewer counterspells.
1: That's how I operate in our meta. Yeah, I just run like three in my deck. And if anybody's running seven, well. You're still going to be fine because you're going to be able to get through that thing. You need to. Yeah, exactly. They're not. They're not specifically aiming to counter just you. They have to worry about everyone else if they're going to be running that many counter spells. And you just have it for your own protection. Yep. You're more looking to counter their counter yeah. than you are counter their other spells. Very rarely have I seen someone counter a counter, and then the person that originally countered it being like, "I got another one." Yeah, you know. it happens, but it's it is pretty rare. Yeah. Um,
2: so that's one way to go. Another way that I think people don't think about is just to have more low casting cost stuff in your deck. Mm-hmm. The thing about counterspells is a couple of things. One is they don't do anything to stuff that's already on the board. Yep. So if you can get something out before they've sort of got their counterspell wall set up, mm-hmm. then it's it's a lot harder for them to deal with. Now, decks will be built to also deal with things on the battlefield. But it also allows you to play a spell and leave open mana if... The, if they counter it to play a second spell yeah so now all of a sudden they got to hold a couple of counters open so that's a good general way to build your
1: deck if you're seeing a lot of counter spells in your meta is just lower the casting cost on yourself and also give them the opportunity to mess up you know yeah they counter, counter the that. wrong thing yeah i've seen a lot of people counter a demonic tutor yeah instead of waiting for them to fetch out whatever it is and countering that you know unless it's very specifically counter target instant or sorcery but usually like you want to wait and see what they're going to fetch out because then you're getting two cards out of them instead of just one Totally,
2: uh, and then there are a whole group of cards that basically punish counter spells. So, um, uh, with the caveat that in general you want these to be low casting cost because you want to get them out early.
1: But there's mm. stuff like Grand Abolisher. Yep, that's, that's when, when a it's lot of not pe- cast spells on your turn. Yep, that's when
2: go. a lot of people play. It just they can't counter anything during your turn. Yeah, um, Defense Grid just makes. Any spells they play during your turn cost three more. Yeah, which is
1: really intense, and my favorite. This is a this pricing, Jimmy Wong special. Price of glory, baby. Two in a red. Whenever a player taps a land for mana, if it's not that player's turn, destroy that land. So anytime they
2: tap a land for mana outside their turn, that, that land dies.
1: Now, sometimes people will just be like, fine, I lose two lands, yeah. but I have to counter this insurrection. It's like, eh, okay, I guess. But
2: that's fine, because a counter once in a while is not a big, big deal. It's just when you have this idea of like, well, anything important I play is going to get countered
1: like one yeah. after the other after the other. Price of Glory. It's too much attrition. They just can't keep it up. Being able to really stop people in their tracks, or just make them think twice. Be like, do you want to spend that counter on me or someone else? And that's a really great feeling because it's it really does give you a lot of protection.
2: Yeah, these cards are in a meadow that has you know a large number of counter spells. Can just like totally hose those decks yeah totally um then there's cards like mana web so it costs three mana for an artifact it says whenever a land an opponent controls is tapped for mana tap all lands that player controls that could produce any mana of the type of land that land could produce that's so, awesome yeah if they're a blue player anytime they counter one spell they're tapped out of blue not to mention anytime they tap any mana on their turn they can't yes. cast regular then spells. they can't hold up mana yeah during that's your turn. awesome yeah um, there's another card called War's toll. It's a red enchantment. It does a similar thing. um
1: did you say it was what color did you say it was?
2: It's red. Red is oh actually my. very good. oh my, yeah, Red's actually very good at um stopping counter spells sort of preemptively, not countering them, but setting up some sort of enchantment or board state where it taxes the players. yeah, for... I really like that actually it's yeah. it's
1: like weird because red usually doesn't have a controlling shell, but it does have this sort of like if you're gonna go, you have to go all in, yeah. Uh, which is also what war is told as it makes other creatures attack whenever they do. Yeah, that's the secondary part. Yeah. It also makes um yeah, no, sorry. I thought it worked on you, but it doesn't. It, I'm immune to all red things cuz I am Jimmy the red. <laughs> uh you want to read the next one? Yes. Boseju who shelters all. This is this is like your insurance policy. Yep. Uh it's a really good land. Um it enters the battlefield tapped, but you can tap it to pay two life. Add one to your mana pool uh, if that mana is spent on an instant or sorcery. That spell can't be countered by spells or abilities. So you need to get that insurrection through? they you. you. For the short price of two life and yep. one landslot. Yep. You'll definitely use Boseiju. It's a it's a great way to, if you if your win condition is a big instant or sorcery, this this is ha- like a must include in your deck. Um also just the text can't be countered by spells or abilities really important. There are a lot of really good cards out there that say that. Yep. I would recommend you search on Gatherer to see which one of those cards, if they fit in your deck, you know, it's not a bad inclusion, especially if it's something that's really going to make an impact on the board when it hits. Because, you know, your opponent's holding up that counter spell and then you play an uncounterable spell, they're stuck. They're they're they have, like, What do I do? What I do mean, I do?
2: Tooth and nail.
1: Yeah. You know, there's a lot of big spells that
2: if you just get it through, they're in really big trouble. And uh yeah, Boseiju definitely,
1: if you're in a meta with a lot of counter spells, Boseju needs to be in your deck. Yeah. Also, certain. notably, cards like Genesis Hydra, yeah. when you cast spells, not when it enters the battlefield, so you'll still get the effect from it, even if it's countered.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. So yeah, they can counter it all they want. I still get something. Yeah. Uh, Another one I really like is Vidalcan Orrery. This card is...
1: I I keep forgetting how good this card is.
2: Yeah, it's basically an artifact that lets you cast all your stuff as though it had flash. Mm -hmm. So it's like Leyline of Anticipation. Yep. Um, Uh, On end step. Yep, but Vidalcan Orrery is an artifact, so it goes in any deck rather than just blue. And this allows you to respond in the way they're responding. So they're playing this draw-go, is what we call it. So they're not playing anything on their main phase Mm -hmm. so they can respond during everybody else's phase. Well, now, when they go to counter... You don't play anything on your turn either, and if they go to counter something by somebody else or they say, oh, on the end step before my turn, I'm going to play something that draws me a lot of cards, you go, okay, in response to that, now that you're tapped out, I'll play my creature. Yeah. You know? Also, you can get... You know, the, the, the frustrating thing sometimes about counter spells is it can really be worse for you depending on where you're sitting. If you're the person directly you know before or after the, per- the counter spell player it can be totally different how you're going to play because they're always going to have mana available for you yep but maybe not for the third
1: player that happened too in in the game i played something and someone countered it and i was like are you sure you're gonna count this and then two two players later someone just dropped the, the hammer and i was like that's why you
2: but they had to counter your thing because counter, at the moment
1: yeah. yeah whereas if you would just switch places with that other
2: player you would have no problem so Vidalcan Orrery allows you to basically sit in a different seat at the table yeah, because you can play your stuff at any uh, speed that you want. Mm -hmm. So it's one of the reasons that's so powerful. And people really, I don't think they think of playing Vidalcan Orrery in their creature decks, but it can be super powerful because it also gives your creatures virtual haste. Yeah, They don't know what you're about to put out because you're going to put it out on the end step before your turn.
1: Yep. So very strong. I do like that quite a bit.
2: Yeah. um, And then there's a couple of cards that are kind of interesting and i think situationally depending on your meta you could you could get away with running these if you're if it's very heavy in counter spells it's uh-huh. things
1: like silence and uh Orim's chant which... yeah oram's chant is a one mana or one white mana for an instant it has a kicker you can pay another additional white mana as you cast it target player can't cast spells this turn
2: mm-hmm.
1: and if you pay the kicker on Orm's chant it basically fogs right yeah because you just can't attack this turn
2: oh yeah so they can't even attack at all so Orm's Chant's great because in a situation where you don't want to get countered, you just play Orm's Chant and name the counterspell player, and they can't play any spells now if it resolves. And most of the time, they might counter it, but then unless they were holding up two counterspells, it's still doing what you wanted it to. And then also Orm's Chant has versatility where if you're about to get attacked by a million tokens, you can cast it just to fog them. Just a nice fog. Silence uh, does the same thing minus the fog. It's just one white. Your opponents can't cast spells this turn, so that's all your opponents. Orm's chance just one opponent, right? Yeah. Yeah. Target uh, player. Yeah, Sorry, not even an opponent. You could do it on yourself
1: for whatever reason. I don't reason. want to cast any more spells.
2: That's like if the, someone was about like really to mind like, no, that yeah, work.
1: No, because you'd have to, yeah, mind Slayer wouldn't work. I don't know when you'd want to do it on yourself. If you know when you would want to cast Aurum's chant on yourself, please let us uh, know. Let us know, yeah. I don't think there's any cards that, like, you must cast this terrible thing for yourself. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah, no, because usually they let you, like, cards that do that, you look at an opponent's hand and then you cast it.
1: Yeah. yeah it
2: yeah, doesn't yeah. say you make them cast it. Anyway. Anyway. So that's it's some anyways. ways to get around counter spells. We've heard a lot about counterspell-heavy metas. Um If you come
1: prepared for that kind of fight, you can actually really foil those decks. Yeah. Another thing politically that I like to do is get on their side. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not going to counter you if you're the one that is not threatening to them. Or even like the sort of like, I really love doing this when I'm tapped out or I just don't have any counter spells. Someone plays something, everyone just kind of looks at the counter spell player and being like, I think it's a pretty good target. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> and it's great because you're going to immediately find someone else that's going to be like, "Yeah, yeah, you just get rid of that you thing." You should get rid of that. Yeah. You know, while like all upside for them looking at their hand being like, "Uh-huh, yeah, that thing. Oh my god, terrible." <laughs> Hose is my my deck too in in ways, you know. She's for the good of the group. For the for the
2: good of all. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about another situation. This one is I think a situation people don't think about a lot, but it does again come up a lot in games. It's my my opponents or one of my opponents have a ton of lands in play. Dang. This happens... In fact, I'm usually the one doing this. Yeah. Um, And we don't mean like ramp. Yeah, we don't mean ramp like mana rocks and things like that. Because a smart opponent will cheat a bunch of extra lands into play because what are they doing, right? They're taking advantage of that social contract. Yep they're that unwritten rule against mass land destruction yeah no one's playing armageddon yeah sure because they know no one's gonna play armageddon because then that person's a quote unquote jerk and everyone will get mad at them and blah 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 blah. so they have found a loophole in the system they're gonna get a bunch of lands into play and lands are the one thing in edh that you feel safe about yeah you know if you get 20 lands into play you're never sitting there going like oh my gosh they're gonna blow up all
1: my lands. i've lost to your glacial chasm before because i was like oh i don't have the thing that gets rid of that yeah i if i if i don't draw my one strip mine yeah which is the one thing everybody runs then it's, maybe i don't it's funny because we do treat lands kind of like they're the little pips in hearthstone it's like oh yeah he just has 10 mana yeah. it's not like no you can throttle his mana if you want yeah, we you, kind of do it with, like, stasis decks and stuff. That's, like, as far as we'll go. But we won't just blow up someone's lands. We just don't do that. And most people will not. They're not running a lot of land destruction.
2: And so that person is actually sort of cheating the system a little bit. You know, yeah. they're, they found this place. And like I said, I like to do this because that's like, oh, the social contract says that you can't destroy my lands. Then I'm going to take advantage of that as much as I can. So what Finding are, the edges. That's like right. It. So what are some of the cards that you can sort of counter... Um. This type of strategy, which, again, I think you see all the time. Once
1: Now that you start looking for it, I'll bet you'll go. Oath of Lieges, one in a white for enchantment. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player chooses target player who controls more lands than he or she does and is his or her opponent. It's such weird wording on these old cards. <laughs> the first player may search his or her library for a basic land card, put that card on the battlefield, and shuffle his or her library. Hey, not bad. So it's just... It's sort of land tax, but it also puts it into play. Yeah, every single player gets to do it. Of course, this, you know what's interesting? This hoses like five color decks that have just a bunch of non basics. Yep. The basics, it only works on basics, but
2: it also that player that's cheating a bunch of lands into play, it catches everybody up. Yep. And probably they've wasted a whole bunch of cards like they're playing Exploration and Burgeoning and Azusa and all yeah. this
1: stuff that's letting them cheat extra lands into play. And you're like, I play one card and I catch up to you eventually here. Yeah. Not just me. Everyone's catching up yeah. to you because everyone gets to have that effect. Exactly. And so all of a sudden you're the one And
2: everybody else likes of. you. They don't want to kill you. You're getting extra lands into play for yeah. me.
1: So, yeah, very
2: strong. Uh, another one is land equilibrium. That
1: sounds like it is going to do what we want it to do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is two and two blue for an enchantment. If an opponent who controls at least as many lands as you would put a land onto the battlefield, that player instead puts that land onto the battlefield, then sacrifices a land. All right. So if they have more lands than you, they all of a sudden can't
1: get any more farther ahead. Yeah. So it's... It's good. It's like a nice balance. Because balance is, of course, not legal. Right. And it feels bad when you just, you know, just smoke everybody's
2: lands yeah. or one player's lands so they've only got a couple left. You just you just put the stop sign on like, no, you just can't have any more.
1: hmm
2: Yeah. So th- that's a good one.
1: Uh, Ward of Bones actually does a lot of stuff. It's not just lands. It's a six-drop artifact. Each opponent who controls more creatures than you can't play creature cards. The same is true for artifacts, enchantments, and lands. So... As long as it really just stops everyone from doing anything depending on who has more than the other person. It's really interesting. It's like a, it's a it's it hoses so many random things except for like Planeswalkers. <laughs> yeah, you, there's ways to play around it
2: to your advantage, but in general it will stop them the thing that we're trying to hear, which is like
1: they can't play more lands if they have more lands than you. Yeah, I just realized this is an awesome card in a Super Friends deck.
2: Oh, yeah. You it need to put says, it in. Yeah. no Oh, one can did do I just
1: anything. ruin my life? No, just partially. <laughs> Don't worry about it, Josh. Just when I play that deck. Just yeah, that deck. Uh,
2: and then there's a bunch of balance, the card balance variants. Mm-hmm. We talked earlier about balancing act. I'll remind you. It basically says that every player counts the number of permanents they have, and then they sacrifice down. Till they all have the same amount as the player with the least permanence. Yeah. So that counts your lands. If somebody has cheated 20 lands in a play and they have like four creatures and some other person has like, you know, seven lands and a creature, everybody's got to go down to eight permanents. Yeah. Well, that's that,
1: basically all their lands.
2: Yeah. They're, they're going to go down to only six lands or so. Yep. So all that work they did getting those out, just gone. Um, another one is n- natural balance. Yeah, this card's hilarious. <laughs> it's two and two green. It says each player who controls six or more lands chooses five lands he or she controls, and sacrifices the rest. Each player who controls four or fewer lands may search his or her library for up to X basic lands and put them onto the battlefield where X is five minus
1: the number of lands he or she controls. (laughs) Then you shuffle your libraries. It basically means everybody goes to five lands. Yeah, it's really interesting. I also like this card in a deck where you have uh, lands that tap for two mana. Yep. Or Scorched Veils and stuff. So, bounce lands. Bounce lands, yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, very, very strong under that situation. You can play around it, but it also just says, hey, I
1: don't care how many lands you cheated into play. We've all got the same amount now. Yep, we're all naturally all balanced out. In fact, most words, most cards that have the word balance in them end up doing this. Yeah, they um, end up doing some form of the, the card balance. You know, I'm going to say this. I did resolve an Armageddon, and it won me the game.
2: You did. It was mo- the Armageddon out of my deck.
1: Yeah, and you actually... To be true, you—it was both that Armageddon and the Swan Song that you played that won the game. Oh, that's true. Because otherwise, I probably would have lost. It was one of the most bizarre endings to a game ever. And it was just everyone was like, "We're gonna go. To, we gotta go to bed." What happened is Jimmy had, uh, uh, for whatever reason, whatever <laughs> happened is
2: the confluence of events led to Jimmy casting Rise of the Dark Realms. Rise of the Dark Realms?
1: Yes. Army what? of the Damned.
2: Army of the Damned twice. Army of the
1: Damned forked. Architect of Thought. Okay. So, Architect of Thought lets you cast stuff out of other people's graveyards. Yeah, and I was I ulted him, uh, thankfully, thanks to a uh, doubling season. Then he and...
2: resurrected him and ulted him again <laughs> in the same turn, mind you, with doubling season both yeah. times. So, he cast uh, Army of the Damned twice, forked. So, he had like 36 dudes. And then I, I told him, literally, like, out of my deck, he should cast Armageddon the second time because... No one will have any man, and you'll have thirty six two twos. Yeah, we'll just be dead. So that sounded great. So he did that, and so- I've never
1: cast Armageddon ever. I was like, oh, this is this, this is, is why, why this card exists. Yeah, I get it when now. you do it. So he has a crazy board state. Nobody else has anything. I pass. See, you. you play an island. You pass.
2: I go island. Go. Then Andy goes mountain blasphemous act (laughs) the one the one card in all of magic that in that instance will like reset everything yeah so of course i'm like we don't want to start from ground zero here everybody playing a land i'm happy that jimmy was about to win and so i swan songed the blasphemous act so that you know the game would end yeah yeah, so that, Pretty let, intense. that's a lesson right there to be careful with Armageddon, but
1: at the same time, it worked out. Yeah, it was really just like, look, we we can do this. If we all just all the creatures that die, we'll like, sure, we'll just start playing lands and it's turn one all yeah. over again. But,
2: but I got a better idea. Let's end this game,
1: get new decks, and play another game. Yeah, a new game, indeed. Yeah, so that's great. I, I love the fact that you can kind of get around the lands thing. People don't really like to wreck lands. That means your ramp that gets lands out is just, I mean, Market Festival, Josh. Yep. Another I've reason never why, seen that card go off the table unless it's, it's something, something kills all enchantments.
2: It's why it's so good, because in our format, it's so taboo to start getting rid of lands. Yeah. And even if somebody has a strip mine, they won't use it on your Market Festival land. They'll use it on Maze of Ith mm-hmm. or Glacial Chasm, because they only have that effect once in their deck.
1: Which so. is also, by the way, why you should run a little bit of land destruction, because Maze of Ith, uh, Kroson, what's the other one that's... The, um, uh core haven core haven yeah like those cards you definitely want to get rid of them if you can if you need to so don't be too afraid to run land instruction but also don't be afraid to uh take advantage of the
2: yeah social contract. well that that's that's two ways to go right if somebody already is taking advantage of that social contract and cheating a bunch of lands in play yeah then you respond like we said if no one in your playgroup's doing that you should be the player doing that yeah because it's very very powerful
1: and you'll probably cause the play group to move towards more people doing that until people start playing these balancing cards, and you'll create the ebb and flow of the the dynamic that the
2: makes movement. a healthy meta. That makes it dynamic. That makes it fun to play every week yep. because it does not get stale and does not stagnate. Um, so we can't. We're not going to go over a whole bunch of other situations, uh, but I'll just touch on a couple just to notice them. Um, so you also will see decks with just no creatures. Yeah, you know this will happen from time to time where somebody will have, you know, Narset deck. Or a Jaleva deck.
1: Or... or a Tasker deck with only uh, non-lands. Or, like, they have just a bunch of lands.
2: Right. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Ashling with all, you know, with all lands and just Ashling yeah. and that kind of thing. So there, these are things to keep an eye out. If you're seeing that a lot in your meta, then you need to respond. Uh, just a lot of enchantments. You know, some metas like to play very few enchantments and some like to play a
1: ton. And that's an obvious answer is just run enchantment removal, but you have to be
2: cognizant that that's happening before you can respond to it.
1: Yeah. I think actually enchantment, uh, That's like the one big one. like either people are running a ton because they just know they're not going to get wrecked kind of like their lands or people don't run any because they know it's just guaranteed going to be going away and putting all your eggs in one basket is not going to work.
2: Yeah, and then that ebb and flow you're talking about happens because what happens? I run a lot of enchantments. People start running a lot of enchantment hate. I take enchantments out of my deck. They take their enchantment hate out of their deck. What can I do? I add a lot of enchantments, and here we go on that loop to loop. So just Unless pay attention smart and to the cycle. Just put in like utter ends and stuff that get rid of all things. everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's why cards like utter end are so good. Yep. Um, another one. Again, we won't go through. This will be the last one. Um, just a lot of tutoring. Mm-hmm. So Sheldon and some other notable people talk about how they mm-hmm. don't like tutors in the format, and there are a lot of cards that stop tutoring. They say you can't search your deck or even mind sensor. Yep, cards like that. And so those are cards that, if you notice, there's a lot of tutoring going on, especially if it's leading to combos. Mm-hmm. Then Aven Mind Sensor and cards like that, which stop tutoring through the deck, through the deck, like Obnixilis, you know, does oh, damage yeah. oh when they gosh. do. And and there's a lot of cards that sort of deal with searching through decks and stop that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Then it's time to start pulling out those cards. They're not expensive. Well, Aven is, but a lot of the other ones aren't. And Using those to stop all this tutor shenanigans that are happening. And, and you can think of it this way I'm playing a card and it's turning off, you know, five, 10, eight cards in my opponent's decks, each of them.
1: Yeah, that's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're definitely going to find use out of that. There's also a, a G, uh, at GP Oklahoma, the deck that won the modern GP was Lantern Control. And a lot of tutors, oh, yeah. if you guys know, put cards on the top of the deck. This deck was all about seeing what the top card is, and like a Codex Shredder would get rid of the top card and mill it. So that's also a really viable strategy too. If you have a way to deal with what they're bringing to the top of their library at instant speed, then you can just immediately be like, "Sorry, you brought that card up there." Well, guess what? It's gone now. Yeah, and we'll next we'll it the next one might be a land. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, so, just the overall message here is to pay attention to your meta, but not just the cards, also the types of situations that you're running into. So, mm-hmm. you know, this can this can be all kinds of things. It can be graveyard shenanigans. It can be, you know. Just fast decks. It can be a lot of aggro strategies, maybe, or it's control. They're slow decks. Well, if everybody's deck is slow, yours needs to get faster. Yeah. You know, those type of things. Be aware
1: of what's going on in your meta so that you can tailor your deck to take everybody down. Yeah, I'd say one of the common mistakes is tailoring your deck to match the meta, where mm-hmm. if it is really slow, you are be like, oh, I'm going to play a slow, dirtly deck. It's like, well, that's actually not what you want to do. Because you, I mean, a healthy meta, like we talked, you need to be pushing the boundaries because it's one way more fun. A lot more interactive and it encourages people to start thinking in the same way and the games get just get way more interesting
2: yeah exactly because then it's move and counter move yeah you know then it's it's uh it's more rock paper scissors or it's 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 more like fencing you know yeah rather than just like two guys like blindly swinging as hard as they can at each other's head i want i want move counter move i want thrust uh, and parry (laughs) i'd rather have some parries yeah
1: yeah it definitely makes the games much more interesting and if you're really, I, I, it's much more satisfying, too, to really fight for a win.
2: Yeah, to like and to know that, like, oh, I put this card in my deck just for these types of situations, and here it is. Yeah. And it's totally going to, it's not going to Iona shut them down, because that's not fun. It's not a card that just naturally does that. Yeah. It's like, I read the meta. I predicted this situation was going to come up, and here comes this card. And it doesn't actually say anything except for that they
1: can't cast cards during my turn. You would you might say instead of I own a shield of Ameria it was I read the meta, <laughs> and then something. I read the shield of the meta.
2: No <laughs> mm, uh, shoot. M- I, remember I Mingo, Malingo yeah, Mingo Malingo, Though yeah, Mingo Malingo was cool.
1: Lingo was all right. Mingo, blingo sh- Lingo. I he was a billion things. When, w- when we made Mingo Malingo, that was great. That yeah. was so much better than what just happened. <laughs> you mean I read the meta shield of uh, Josh LeQuia? <laughs> It's just getting better and better. It's get, yeah, it's improving. I, I drew in, I drew Iona twice, by the way, when I was playing against Josh, and for the sake of him playing a mono green deck, I was like, you're getting mulled back in People just the always
2: have Iona when I'm playing that deck. I have one mono deck, and for whatever reason, it just runs into Iona like,
1: consistently. Yeah, fortunately, Battle for Xenicard has you covered at the common. It's a, yeah. it's a oh. seven drop. Well, next week will be our uh yes next week will because it'll uh, be our set review so yep. then we can talk about all the awesome cards oh man by the time you guys hear this the set will have been spoiled right and i will have come back from the community cup and you will have won it and you also will have made Havlands happen yes have lands. hashtag have lands.
2: hashtag have lands. everybody
1: hashtag have lands. tweet
2: hashtag have lands. hey hashtag have lands. do it hashtag have lands. Tell marshall okay (laughs) moving on to the end step where we talk about something cool
1: outside of the world of magic oh crap there's nothing cool outside the world of magic i didn't think ahead here uh well i know we have a really good one for this thursday's episode we do yeah what is this is the thursday episode this is the thursday episode yeah oh you're right we had a really good one for the tuesday episode (laughs) that's true Thanks so much everyone for uh all your suggestions about how (laughs) this is just
2: bad um this is I, another reason we're not going to do Thursday
1: episodes as often because man, we just coming, don't have any. Coming end up steps. with two ends? No, I'm just kidding. That's not the reason. It's true. Let me look at, uh, let's see. I'm going to look at my email and see what happened recently. Nothing here. Going to go over here. Look over here. Nothing here. Uh, yep, it's uh, the end step.
2: hey if you guys haven't checked out our sister podcast you should they're called the masters of modern alex kessler (laughs) and ben Bateman talk about modern and all things competitive magic they have some really awesome guests on there you should check them out you can go to rocketjunk.com they're right next to us under the podcast tab or you can follow them on twitter at the mmcast
1: our editor for the show is the like special thanks to everyone for the living card animation you can find them online at living cards he provides living card animation for all of our videos at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast all right everybody thanks for listening we'll see you next week bye peace you think they noticed? I don't think so. End step. Uh, Peace. End step. Peace.
0: Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com. Or ask us on Twitter at jfwang and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator.
1: Greetings, humans. <laughs>